Welcome guys, welcome to church. I hope you guys are good and had a good week so far. Um, you're going to need your Bibles, so please do go and grab those and maybe a pen and a piece of paper that you can write some notes on. I hope you're enjoying our story so far of Ready, Steady, Acts. And, and we're going to be continuing that series today. Uh, if you've missed any of the talks and you want to catch up, then you can do so over on our website or through our app. So definitely do check those out. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love Acts. What a radical community. A people who share in the good news in both word and action. And a radically diverse community where we see a mix of all different backgrounds and ethnicities all coming together. And a people who share in their possessions in lives in such a proximate way. I absolutely love it. They're also a people who trust in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead them out into boldness. And as we heard last week from amazing youth, we see some pretty radical um, conversions along the way. So this brings us to chapter 10 and 11. And in these two chapters, Luke introduces us to Cornelius, who is a Roman centurion, um, a Gentile. And we meet Peter, who is uh, Jewish and he's one of the apostles. So it really speaks about some of their interactions. But it also delves into some of the issues of prejudice. It shows of a radical reconciliation and God's blueprint for his church. And I think for me, this has come at a very poignant time in history where God is starting to stir. And we've seen the Holy Spirit stirring the issues of prejudice around us in particular racial injustice. And in this season, I believe that God is calling us to holiness. He's calling us to repentance, but also he's calling us into healing and a beautiful unity. When the news broke of George Floyd's death a couple of months ago, and we heard the chants and the calls out, the laments, the cries to God that black lives matter. It was as if God himself was crying out. We're in the year 2020 and we're still having to cry out that a life, at the very basic of human dignity, that a life matters. It's crazy and that is not how it was meant to be. Black lives matter to God. Black lives more than matter to God. All lives matter to God. We were created in his image, created equal. But unfortunately, for, for many in our society, that is not their experience, and in particular the black community. You see, we come at life in very different ways. The weight of the scales is weighted against them. And for, for black people in particular in this country, they, they um, have to deal with very different um, barriers and hurdles in life. So when we say that black lives no matter, we're not wanting to do this. It's about the Holy Spirit addressing some of those issues in our society, causing us to address them so that God can do this. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want to see his unity and his reconciliation. You know, we as a church have actively spoken up and against racism. And we've been wanting to actively engage on the issues. We've gathered to pray and to lament 
together. We've reached out to you to hear your experiences and to learn from you as well. We want to create spaces for education, to share um, experience and truth, and to do this in a, a safe, non-judgmental forum. So with part of this, we want to host a Facebook Live session. We're going to be running that uh, this coming Monday at 8 o'clock in the evening. Mark, our senior pastor, and myself are hosting it. And we have got a panel that um, have actively spoken out against racial injustice and been working in those fields for many years, but also working in inclusivity and be able to share some of God's heart and how we can work towards more unity and equality. The issues can seem overwhelming and the world would want to use this to bring more division and more chaos. And we see that, don't we? But guys, we are not of this world. We are kingdom people and we have a kingdom perspective. And there is hope. We know this in Jesus and we see it in him and we experience it through him. And we see it in the Church of Acts. We also are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be agents of societal and cultural change, praying and working for the flourishing of our communities. And as Mark so beautifully put it a couple of weeks ago, we are to be the voice of truth, of reconciliation, of forgiveness, salvation, his healing and hope. So let's go ahead and read what God has got to say in the book of Acts. Let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit. I pray that you would search our hearts and you would use your word, Father God, just to speak to us afresh today. Where would you highlight any areas that we need to bring to you? And I would say, I just ask that you would speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if you guys grab your Bibles, turn to uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 7. Cornelius calls for Peter. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon uh, a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants, a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told him what had happened and sent him off to Joppa. So we meet Cornelius and we learn that he's a Roman centurion and he's in the Italian uh, cohort of the Roman army, which was an elite and a prestigious unit. He would have been pretty high up. He's also a Gentile, a non-Jew, but it says that he feared the Lord and worshipped him and prayed to him. Being a Gentile would mean that Cornelius wouldn't have been able to practice his faith or join in on some of the rituals. Um, with the Jewish people in the temple. Judaism in the first century was not a missional religion. The Jews despised the Gentiles and this went back throughout their history. 
So to them, they were unclean. Being a, For a Jew to be in a Gentile's house um, would have deemed them as unclean and would have defiled them. To Jews, if you were a Gentile, God neither loved you nor chose you. But we read that nonetheless, this hadn't put Cornelius off. He loved the Lord. Then we hear about how Cornelius was visited by an angel and tells him uh, that he has to go send some people to Peter's house. He so easily could have thought, you know, given his rank, given his status, why would I want to listen to what a poor, untravelled, uneducated Jewish person has got to say? But Cornelius doesn't. Instead, he does what he's asked. I love his obedience. If he had acted out of his prejudice, he would have missed out on God's blessing. Meanwhile, we read about Peter in chapter 10, verse 9 to 34. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to kind of cut the little bits out, but you can check that out later on. Next day, as Cornelius um, was nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the side sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. As Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. I love that. Don't worry, <laughs> I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They then explain about what had happened to Cornelius and explain why they've come. So Peter um, invites them to stay and then they go off all together, off to Cornelius' house the next day. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together all his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. I absolutely love Peter. It's like no messing. It's like, don't worship me, worship Jesus. So they talked together and went inside. There were many assembled within his home. Peter told them, you do know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile's home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. So Cornelius then tells him why um, he sent for him and explains the vision. So this is huge. So for 1,400 years, the Jewish people have avoided certain foods because God has told them that they are unclean. 
God's distinction between clean and unclean was to remind his people that they were holy and set apart to worship the one true God. Now God is saying, eat up. It must have really messed with his head. Can you imagine? And then the door knocks and then there's some Gentiles there saying, yeah, can you come, can you come over to us? That's quite a tall ask, isn't it? But Peter does it. It would have been so easy for Peter to use the word of God to justify his prejudice against the Gentiles. Don't forget, this prejudice ran deep. After all, the Bible warned Israel about associating with pagan idolaters. It's so easy for us to do that too, isn't it? To read the Bible through our own eyes and sometimes our own prejudice. But what we must do instead is read the Bible through the Holy Spirit, asking for his guidance and his wisdom. I'm not saying that we compromise our beliefs to fit in. I'm suggesting that if we do not face the prejudice in our own hearts and allow God to bring them to light, then we won't be effective in taking the gospel to all peoples and all nations. So, going back to our story, Caesarea, where Cornelius lived, was a cultural meeting place for Romans and Jews. But Jews would go to Jewish people's homes and Gentiles to Gentiles. So, no Jewish person would have ever set foot in Cornelius's house before. And there is Peter standing there sharing the gospel. And what does he say? I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean, so I came without objection. I see very clearly that God has no favouritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him. Can you imagine the healing that must have come from that? Like, it must have been massive. Peter then preaches the gospel. The Holy Spirit falls. Have you ever been in a meeting where the Holy Spirit just comes? It's like, bah, bah, bah. And there's people speaking in tongues. And it was just like Pentecost. And then everyone gives their life to Jesus. And they, a whole household, everyone gets baptised. In chapter 11, we read that the news has got back to the other apostles and the other believers. Um, and they still have prejudice against the Gentiles. And they're not very happy. But the, the apostles humbly come to God they listen to Peter with open hearts and open ears and open minds. And they could recognise that this was a move of God, that this was a move of his Holy Spirit. In chapter 11, verse 17, it says, And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift of this Holy Spirit he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are we to stand in the way? God is integrating his church. God is integrating his church. He is reconciling his people back to him and one another. And I believe that this is what he's doing with us today as well. Who are we to stand in his way? When I read this, I must admit I was a little bit hit. Who am I to stand in his way? And maybe that's the first time you've asked yourself that. Write it down. Write it down and visit it later. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to search you. Pray on it. Sit with it for a little while. See what comes up. Maybe nothing. Maybe something does. It started to reveal to me how unconsciously I might have stood in the way. Have I unintentionally created barriers to inclusivity in my spheres, in ministry, in leadership? Or created um, barriers in introducing someone to Jesus? This isn't to shame you um, or to make you feel bad, but it's to lead you into healing. Remember that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And there may be some things that you need to take to God and chat with him about. There may be some things that you need to ask forgiveness for. It's okay. It's for your health. And it's for all of our health. You see, God's purpose through Jesus was always to reconcile um, cultures and people back together. You see, in Genesis 11, we see that God separated the cultures as punishment for their pride. But God's plan was always to bring the cultures back together. The Israelites were to be holy, set apart, to be a light of God's holiness, his justice, his love. It was never his plan for prejudice and greed and power to be the separation. And we see throughout the Old Testament, God continuously calling his people back to repent, to be in right relationship with him and one another. To speak out against injustice, to love your neighbour as you love God, to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with him. And we see this most powerfully in Jesus. He always challenged prejudice, but Jesus had such a radical love. He had a radical love that set the oppressed free, but also the oppressors. And we see it in Acts. We see a people empowered by the Holy Spirit, breaking through the divide of the cultural and societal norms of the day. So what does a multicultural integrated church in Acts look like? You can read about it in Luke, uh, Acts chapter 11. Um, I would love to have read it now, but we just don't have time. I am going to be checking in the comments of who said, yeah, I'm going to do my homework. So you guys have got to do your homework, read it. I'm going to share with you five themes of this radical new church. And when you read it, see if you can find where it is in chapter 11. Some lessons for us as well. So what does a radical church of Acts look like? It's a church of radical conversions. It should be a place where we see those from a variety of different backgrounds and cultures coming together, welcomed and accepted, and the chance for them to meet with Jesus. The gospel is for everyone, not just for people that look and sound like you and I. A church of radical reconciliation. I am sure it was not easy. Can you imagine the coming together of these people that have always been so separated, so segregated in a lot of ways. Um, very different cultures, very different beliefs. We've got the Sumerians, the Jews, the Gentiles. And we see further on in the letters in the New Testament, some of the issues that arise. And we actually see Peter falling down um, and tripping over and getting himself into a bit of bother. And Paul has to kind of pull him up on it. It took time. 
It would have taken humility, education, I'm sure. I love how Jesus modelled this with the Sumerian woman at the well. They spoke about their, their different beliefs, but it was done in um, such an open and honest way. It should be a church of radical generosity, a church of radical leaders, a church that raises and releases leaders. And it was the first international missionaries to make disciples of all nations and all peoples. And a church with a radical new identity. A people that have a new identity as Christians. Paul writes in Galatians that we are all one in Christ. Natasha Morrison, who is an advocate for racial reconciliation within the church, states this. This doesn't mean that we can be colourblind. Paul doesn't say that gender or ethnicity doesn't exist, but rather that there is unity in diversity. In Luke chapter 13, um, he lists uh, some of the leaders, five leaders of the Church of Antioch. So we've got Saul and Barnabas, who were ethnic Jews, but have adopted the Greek culture. We've got Manian, who was from Her uh, Herod's household and was Jewish aristocracy. We've got Simeon, who was also called Niger, which literally means black, who was from sub-Saharan Africa. And Lucius from Cyrene, which is modern day Libya. So we've got five leaders We've got uh, Mediterranean, Middle East and Africa. What a beautiful picture for God's heart, for his church of inclusivity and diversity. So it's considering the racial injustice that the Holy Spirit has been bringing into the light. How can we as a community, a people empowered by the Holy Spirit, who love God and we love one another and I love our multicultural church, how could we start to move to a place of reconciliation, in, uh, integration, unity and inclusivity, a mirror that radical church enacts? It's possible through Jesus, but it has to start in here. It has to start with ourselves, doesn't it? So number one, ask the Holy Spirit to search you. Are there any areas in your own life on your own heart, where you are prejudiced? Is there injustice in your own heart? But remember, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Number two, be humble. Natasha Morrison, in her book, Breathe a Bridge, says this, to white people, be humble. Talk less and listen more. Open your mind and hearts to the lives of non-white people. If you are black, be humble. Listen to other people's of colour's stories and be patient with those trying to bridge the race, racism divide. Number three, educate yourself. What are some of the issues in the UK? Maybe you've kind of never realised some of the deep um, structural racism. That's okay. We're on this journey together. There's an amazing book um, by Renee Edo Lodge because called Why I Am No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Now, this is not a Christian book, and some of her language is a little bit fruity, apologise for that, but it is a very good book, so I'd highly recommend it. It's a good, challenging read. Also, um, there's a book by Ben Lindsay called We Need to Talk About Race, 
and Red Litter Christians are holding a book club where you can discuss this book on the 1st of August. I'll be there um, on Zoom and the details should be popping up now. So you can really safe place where you could discuss some of the issues or some of the uh, thoughts and ideas that are raised in this book. So come along to that. And I would love to recommend an amazing history uh, programme on BBC iPlayer. It's called Black and British, A Forgotten History. It was actually made in 2016. Uh, I've just re-watched it again uh, with my son and it's definitely on BBC iPlayer, so check that out. And of course, join us for the Facebook Live, which is tomorrow, this Monday at 8pm. There'll be a time of question and um, answer afterwards as well. So please do think and pray about some of the questions you might want to bring up. Maybe there's some things that you don't understand. This will be a safe place where you can ask some of those questions. Number four, we need truth. We need to be truthful with one another. We need to have difficult conversations. You know, God often teaches us um, through difficult situations and difficult conversations and sometimes addressing um, and having to challenge our blind spots. I have many, but God does it in such a kind and loving way. And it's always for our good. And it's always to transform us into the more of the likeness of his son. So it cannot be too bad, can it? But we need safe, non-judgmental spaces where we can share our thoughts and our questions and experiences and where we always honour relationship over the need to be right. Now, guys, hands up. I do not always get this right. My passion can honestly, sometimes it's as if I've got uh, blinkers on. You know, you've ever seen the horses? That's me. Tunnel vision. I'm on this journey with you. We're in this together. Number five, integration, unity and inclusivity. I've actually touched on this a little bit. The first time I preached, this time last year, when I spoke on, are you ready to love your neighbours? And I kind of wanted to challenge you and I kind of want to set that challenge again. And I know in lockdown, a bit tricky. You can be creative, you'll find ways. But who do you mix with? Is it people that just look and sound like you? Who do you socialise with? Who do you reach out to? Do you tend to mix with a variety of people from different um, economic or social or cultural backgrounds? Expand your connections and get to know a variety of different people and ages from all different cultures and backgrounds. Food is a great way to do this, FYI. You want to tell me about your culture? Great, bring me food. Sorry, I just had to get that in. Um, and finally, I cannot recommend a book by Latasha Morrison enough. It's called Be The Bridge. And we would love it if you would like to do this as a connect group. After each chapter, there's some time, there's some questions for reflection and discussion and prayer. Um, if you're not in a connect group, or maybe you are, but they're not meeting over summer, or you they don't want to do this book, that's absolutely fine. We're going to be hosting a Zoom short-term connect group where you can join in on this book. So if you'd like to do that, please email richard at thevineyardchurch.co.uk and we will fill you in with all the details that you need. So we all commit to starting this process with these five little simple steps. We'll be well on our way to becoming a radical church
that we see in Acts. And what a picture that will be to the world that is looking to us for answers, to a world that would be so opposite, that would want to bring division and chaos. We are a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring God's truth, his reconciliation, his forgiveness, his salvation, his healing, and his hope. Let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit, Father God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And Father God, I pray that this word would sow something new in us. And Lord, I cannot wait to see the fruit of what's to come. Help us to be a church, to help us to be a light to our communities of how to live and love well. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So guys, I will be checking. Make sure you do your homework. Have a read through uh, chapters 10 and 11 for yourself. And yeah, I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye.